Hello, this is Kate Magic and you're listening to the Raw Living Podcast. Raw Living is Europe's leading raw foods and superfood supplier. I founded the company in 2002. And in this interview series, I talk to some of the people behind uh, the companies that we offer on our shop to find out more about what they do. Um, what is the ethos behind the company and particularly not just the processing in the in the products like the ingredients they use and how they put everything together but also how do they show respect for the environment how do they treat their workers Um, most companies in this industry put a huge amount of integrity and dedication into providing products that are really benefiting uh, the people and the planet so I wanted to provide insights into that when you're shopping with these companies you're not just investing in your health you're investing in a better world for us all My guest today is Chris and Maria from Clearspring. Clearspring have been one of my biggest inspirations in terms of a brand that have not compromised on quality of product and integrity of production and still managed to reach so many people. Chris and Maria, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. We're, we're privileged to, to have this uh, discussion with you. Well, we had this fortuitous meeting at the farmer's market where I recognised you and um, we struck up a conversation. I'm so glad I did come over and say hello. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's like for us, it's so important. You know, as a family, we, we do our shopping. You know, we have all the sort of basic foods at the company, but the, the seasonal foods, we go to the, the farmer's markets because we'd like to eat what's in season. Yes, yes. So can we just start with a little introduction? When did you found the company and can you set the scene for us? Because the health food industry was so different back then, right? Well, the actual roots of the company go back to 1977. East West Natural Foods, where it started in Old Street. And that was actually the beginning of Clearspring. And that actual uh, store became Clearspring at some point as a name. From 1979 to 1980, I went to Japan for 18 years because I was fascinated by the food culture there because it was very plant-based, even though people didn't know that. And while I was in Japan, I was very keen on converting uh, producers to organic and to offer their products abroad. And in 1993, when the pound collapsed against the yen, the small customer clear spring here they couldn't continue the business. So I personally took the business and decided to make it a vehicle, a window to the world for traditional Japanese foods. And I came back in 98 with my family and have been managing since then. Amazing. And could you speak for us on organic? I know organic is really important to you as well. Again, you know, even in 98, organic was still very, it wasn't in the supermarkets, was it? So was it that just difficult? started in 1998. That was when the supermarkets, because they needed, they couldn't, they couldn't, how do you say, they couldn't fight anymore on the price of non-organic beans. And I thought they saw organic as an opportunity. And after organic, you know, there became fair trade. And it just one after the other, like today, now it's vegan. So, and plant-based. So they're thrashing that for commercial reasons rather than like what you and I are doing, you know, for spiritual reasons. Yes, yes. But was it hard to enter the market at that time with organic products and and get people to understand the benefit of it? Well, there was a grassroots movement there, which had been, you know, thanks to the Soil Association. And Clearspring was automatically a member of the Soil Association because, you know, our focus as a company um, 
is really, you know, looking at agriculture and not just for commercial reasons. We set up the brand because we wanted to offer authentic foods and protect food heritage. And at the same time, you know, we wanted to be the authority in any food category we entered. And today we have 27 plant-based food categories we're in. So can you share on that? Because um, that's something that, that all of our suppliers have in common, I think, is that it's not just about the final products that we're making, but it's about the whole journey of how it's got from the farm into the jar or the packet or whatever. So um, how do you go about developing those relationships with the farmers? Most of your, most of your farmers are in Japan, right? Well, well, we have about uh, 90 organic food suppliers and about 40 in Japan. We actually, when I came back in 98, I searched around Europe for crafts made products and finding a producer was doing apple puree, simple, purely Italian uh, organic apples. I found organ uh, certified organic olive oil. And so we have suppliers in 18 countries today and we have a direct relationship you know, we don't go through conventional trading, purchasing. You know, every product has a store and we have a direct relationship with every producer. And we continue to cultivate that with 90, at least 90 organic producers. So how often do you travel to Japan? Normally, if it wasn't for pandemics, I'm usually there three times a year because I, to visit them because they have little, very few of them have traveled abroad. So they don't understand the movement abroad, the organic food movement in Japan is very small. Worldwide, it's one of the smallest. Right. And these producers, they're actually supporting food heritage. And many of them are, you know, it could be up to 10 to 12 generation family business just making one product. Right. And right. they've continued it. And we're actually keeping at least 25% of those producers in business because they don't have a market in Japan. Right. Wow. So we have to get involved in sourcing ingredients. We usually go to the producer, they look, if you have to use this type of salt, this type of raw ingredient, we have to do that work to make sure it, it conforms to um, our requirements and to have it certified organic for worldwide organic sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can we get into some of the Japanese products? When we started... Um speaking i actually realized how much of your product i know i used a lot of your products but when i make to went to make the list it was a it was a very large amount because i do love japanese food and when i'm making japanese food obviously i want the best ingredients i want organic ingredients and really there's nothing comparable in the uk market at least to what please bring offers so could you talk us through some of your flagship Japanese products and you know for instance like the miso and the artisanal methods the traditional methods that are employed. Actually when I first came to the UK in 1974 from New Zealand um, I had just my two years previous at the age of 19 changed to a vegetarian vegan diet or plant-based diet but I, I found there was something missing because when I came here it was the same plate without the meat <laughs> and a friend introduced me to miso and he said try this. And I thought, good, this will replace the meat gravy. And you know, it was that point I knew I could continue as a vegetarian. Not that I had a doubt about continuing, but there was something definitely, you know, rich, robust that was missing. And then I was fascinated by miso. And that was like, became, it was a core product for us. So you can see in our product range, 
you know, we have miso from seven, eight different uh, regional suppliers in Japan, and we offer it in many shapes and sizes and flavors because it's such a robust food. And if you, a quick calculation, you might get um, what you'll get from 100 kilos of soya, you know, it can be up to 20,000 bowls of miso soup, but you only get 100 portions of meat. You know, so the actual ecologically, people switching to X amount of miso or reducing their meat consumption ecologically is a good step, as well as being good for health. Yeah. It's a very probiotic food. Yeah. And can you talk us through some of the differences between the traditional kind of miso that you you work with and then what people might find that's less optimal alternatives in the well most of the conventional food companies are trying to do it commercially so they don't want um other airborne cultures and yeast coming in so they'll do it in a very sterile environment and artificial yeasts right, right. To, to do the fermentation and they do it all temperature controlled so they can do it in three to six months whereas some of our products take up to 36 months to make so that we do very minimal processing of the product so we choose the best quality raw ingredients and with minimal processing we come with the very probiotic food yeah yeah and the seaweeds as well you know i guess it's changing but people used to be really wary of eating seaweed because they were worried about contaminants in the water especially Japanese seaweed. So can you explain to us some of the lengths you go to to make sure your seaweeds are of the highest quality? Well, once again, we choose, um, we try to go for the wild one, not just um, not just on the conventional market. We try to go for the wild grades of the sea vegetables. And we do our tests before any importation, just for to avoid any contamination. And we take a lot from Hokkaido, which is the most northern part, where there's less uh, industrialization. So we're very selective on a um, uh, on a culture basis of the production, and then we do our own testings to protect the consumer. Which are your um, which are your flagships products? Would you say which are the which are the products that really represent Clear Spring the best? Well, I have a little. Whenever we have a person who's come here as a salesperson, he said, "What am I going to sell?" And I said, "We'll use the three T's. I mean, not not sort of the T's. One is our." authentic double strength Yamon tamari because it's the only producer that makes double concentration of tamari left in Japan. There used to be many in his region, but his concentration is only one left and that that's a flagship product for us in the UK. And then we have a, uh, a tea producer near Kyoto and we take a full range of their various different teas. And the third one would be tofu because tofu, like miso, is a very versatile food product and it's a good way to use soybeans in a most versatile way because you, there's many ways you can use tofu. That'd be our sort of our three top food categories that we're working with. Can you just explain to us more about the tamari? People might not even know the difference between tamari and soy sauce. So can you tell us about that process that's made? Originally, tamari was the liquid coming to the top of the miso fermentation. And then in one area of Japan, they turned that into a soy sauce by adding more liquid. And that was the original tamari, purely soya, the, the koji culture, and sea salt. 
And that's that area of Japan. Most people in Japan don't know what Tamari is because it's very regional. Mm. But, you know, we took it to the West and introduced it as a whole food. And it turned out when the gluten-free market became popular, it became even more popular Tamari versus yeah. regular soy sauce. Yeah, yeah. And what would be the difference between your shoyu and regular soy sauce? It's the same thing about making it in a sterile environment under heat treatment and added yeasts to quicken the fermentation. Right. It's all about time. It's, it's, it's almost like, it's not as though the product, it's, it's about minimal processing and allowing nature to do the actual um, transformation of the ingredients to a very probiotic food. Uh -huh. Whereas conventional food companies, they want to speed it up. They want to do nine to five type like production. It's uh -huh. like a good sourdough bread or a good uh, pasta, which will take 36 hours to dry in Italy. You know, they try and do it by temperature control. Right, right. And then tell us about your tofu. What would be the difference between that and just when when you started making tofu? Could was anyone else producing tofu in the UK selling tofu? Uh, there was um, there was not Tetra Pak tofu, but most of the pe people producing the tofu are using low protein beans, so they don't have a lot of flavour. So when you use such a tofu, you can't eat it as is. You need to stir fry it or bake it, grill it, because there's very little flavor. But with our tofu, which is a very, we choose very selective um, high protein soybeans. So there's a lot of the Japanese umami flavor. So you can actually, with a little bit of soy sauce and ginger, you can eat it as is, or you can turn it into a shake. And there's many, or you can make a, a tofu cheesecake. There's many ways you can use it because there's a lot of flavor in it. That's, and, and also we, we don't use artificial coagulants. Once again, it's a time factor. We use the traditional nigari salt bitten for doing the coagulation. How much longer does that take? Well, it's, it's, it's the yield more than anything, because I think because you can do it, it, that's not so much a time one. It's just that they, um, it's, as I said earlier, they use low protein, it has less flavor. So you can't eat it as is. Right. Whereas our one, you can, it's ready to go. Um, could you tell us more about your relationship with the farmers? Um, do you employ any, like, do you have any fair trade practices that you want to share with us? Do you? It's a little bit difficult with Japan because it's developed countries to say fair trade. But in fact, they, we work with family businesses. So in many respects, it's a cultural aspect, which is similar to fair trade because we support them. We do not squeeze them on pricing. So we're supporting a, a food culture. So in many ways, the producers in Japan, as I mentioned, if we didn't support them, they'd be out of business yeah. because they cannot survive because the, the local people in Japan, they believe the national brand is the best. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be the national brand, but it's actually the opposite. Right. You yeah. know, when you, when you make conventional food, in fact, you could have more money for marketing. Whereas when you have a premium price product, you know, there's not the margin there. Right. So how many countries in the world do you sell in now? Well, today, directly at 60, but we're mm. in contact with 72. Wow. So of the 195 plus, uh, plus two more, uh, 197, you know, we're, we're, in a, we're getting to uh, a quite a high percentage. Right. 
Yeah, and is there anyone else in the world that does a similar thing in terms of making high-quality organic Japanese produce and exporting it? Well, there are companies. Well, in the U, we'd be the biggest single importer of certified organic foods from Japan. You know, because I spent those 18 years converting the producers to organic. I mean, there are other companies. Sure, there's other companies out there and trading houses were doing the business. But um, our focus, you know, 60% of our products are from Japan. Right. And, it's, and people say, what about the food, Miles? What about this? But that's not what we're focused on. We're trying to promote a food culture, a plant-based food culture, not necessarily Japanese, but how to maximize the interest, how to optimize the interest in plant-based foods and japan has a food culture second to none when it comes to plant-based foods do they sell much in japan your products uh, well as i said the organic food market is very undeveloped in japan yeah so there's very little chance we don't we sell very the only products we sell in japan today are our products of certified organic products from europe okay <laughs> that's funny <laughs> Um, and what about the future? What are your what are your projects that you're most excited about? How do you? I'm asking that? my family to do that now. Yeah, <laughs> they're, taking, they're taking the lead on many aspects. Maria here is my eldest daughter. She's the commercial director, and she's doing a lot of development in that area with our team of twelve sales and marketing. I mean, I'm taking not a backstage, but I, I work primarily to keep up the actual. Um, relationship with the producers to encourage them right. you know they're all about most of them well they're their children now in, in the businesses but you know i'm 68 this month so i deal with the actual you know the second or third generation of particular companies right. but we would like to um you know to try to get out there to show that not selfishly, but to show that we're the authority when it comes to certified organic foods, both from Japan and from Europe, right. because our connection with the producer, we like to feel that, you know, we can bring authenticity and authority in what we do. We have 27 categories today. And at the same time, we're supporting sustainable uh, agriculture. And because, you know, the, the issue of people waking up to the problems of the planet, the planet means agriculture. Yeah. And even even organic agriculture, if it's done in a extreme way, you end up like Carthage in North Africa. Everything disappears. Mm -hmm. That's why we do support biodynamic agriculture. So we have a good range of Demeter products as well. And we're developing that range as well because it's a very self-contained, self-supporting uh, eco-style farming. Can you say, because the thing that inspires me most is how you've managed to completely keep that integrity that you're describing to us in terms of you know every step of the process of how the products are produced and yet still you know have such wide coverage and that's so rare even in the health food industry that's really rare so could you say what you, what do you think it is that's um brought that level of kind of dedication and, and passion to it i was going to say the power of passion <laughs> there's a percentage out there and the one i think once a consumer tries our tamari soy sauce or tofu they think how do i go back you know we just got to get them to try it that's why um lisa dawson uh my second daughter she's constantly doing instagram i don't know if you've seen what she's i mean she's constantly like she's you know she's really in the office she's always at home doing recipes and whatnot getting on instagram to get people try it once you know that first step i think is that 
that's on the social media aspect that we're working hard on to get consumers at least to try once. I think you found yourself when you use our products, it's hard to use a conventional one again. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just there's, there's, you know, in terms of things like umeboshi, <laughs> there's no yeah. other organic umeboshi paste or organic rice vinegar, and like you say, the tamari, well, it's, which is You have, for example, you know, because Japan got so, so used to buying cheap pickles right now, so many of the umeboshi are actually grown in other countries green. Mm. imported to Japan and then because they're so salted they have to take off all the salt then they have to add back the flavoring to get the umoshi mm -hmm. flavor and then they color them yeah but they say made in the region where umoshi are famous right right whereas we work directly with the farmer we buy all his production and we have you know we we do the job yeah. you know from from field to table in that respect yeah. Perhaps you could just quickly tell us about Umeboshi because it is one of my very favorite products. I actually had it in my oh, right. <laughs> why, why, why does it work for you, Kate? Um, well, it's the this, I think it's very alkalizing, isn't it? And there's just some kind of sharpness about the flavor that I really love. And I love it in sushi when I make well sushi and in um, sandwiches, just like a really thin bit to just add a tang. Well, I think I think it's the two extremes of a fruit which you don't normally eat raw. You can't really because it's quite acid. And then on the other extreme, you've got salt. And if you take salt directly, but if you marriage them, all of a sudden you have this, a miracle happens in that process. And that's why umwashi is so unique. And traditionally Japanese businessmen, you know, when they were traveling, they always had a little jar in their suitcase. <laughs> because they, you know, they knew they would be protected because of that extreme uh, uh, I start to use yin and yang, but in extreme sort of acidity and of the salt combination there help because normally a sickness results from the one taking too much of one extreme right. and to take this and wash it, it balances right. quickly. Brilliant. Chris, is there anything else you'd like to cover? Maria's turn. She can have a quick word. <laughs> Oh, hello, Kate. Hi. <laughs> so have, you, have okay. you been vegan since birth? Yes, I have. Amazing. So it's, it's actually a very interesting time now because you said what's for future. And I think that finally, finally, all the market has woken up. Everybody's interested in plant-based. When I was a student 15, 20 years ago, nobody knew what I was eating. Everybody was quite confused. Umeboshi in my lunchbox eating seaweed snack. They thought I was the most strange girl ever. Nobody knew what to feed me if I'm out um, at the friend's house or whatever. Um, but the health world has turned and it's changed. And we feel the time is right for us. We didn't wake up yesterday thinking plant-based is, is something good for the world. It's just something that's been embedded with us. And you asked a question earlier about, you know, how did you keep it going for so long? I think it's, it's truly come from the passion and a belief that, you know, we were doing something right. Perhaps the market may not recognise that until the, you know, the recent years, the importance of plant-based and organic eating. But it's something that we all believed in and we all practice and we know it works. I'm still alive. I don't eat any animal products, um, but I probably have uh, more energy than anybody else <laughs> running around working 24-7. 
So I think it's what we're here to do now is we have to communicate that well with the consumers, that you know our core beliefs as well as our producer story. So that having that connection between our products and you know who makes the products and why makes it so special. Because when I speak to the um, trade buyers as well, you know we're not talking about a source, so we're talking about this particular soy sauce, particular miso. And I always say, well, we see faces behind the product. We don't chop and change the suppliers just because one's 10p cheaper. Yes, our products are premium, but there's always a reason why products are more premium. And I think getting that message out is very important. So we'll continue to do that. And you know, while we continue to work with innovation, um, with uh, whilst kind of maintaining food integrity, so we'll we'll you know come up with something very interesting for the, all of our consumers to enjoy, and we've got some great launches coming up in a couple of months. I can't really go into detail yet, but we're very excited. <laughs> Little twist on traditional products. Um, I'm sure you will love it too. But you know things like that that without bending any of our rules and ethos, we'll try to be innovative in the market to keep the consumer excited at the same time telling all of our stories of how we're here, why we're here, who is our producers and what do they do and what makes the products different. Brilliant, brilliant. So would you say being vegan is as important to you as being organic as, as a company like both of those? It's, uh, absolutely. And I think many, I think what makes us also unique is that they are obviously 100% organic companies out there. There's a nowadays there's a many hundred percent plant-based companies out there, but there's not many companies that tick organic as well as plant-based as well as refined sugar-free. Those three um, are very, in a sense, it should be simple to achieve. Yet many people don't, and quite often, yes, they're hundred percent plant-based, but it could be full of refined sugar, and it doesn't necessarily always mean healthy for you. And if it's just organic, then it might not necessarily all be plant-based. So I think first, those three kind of key key points set us apart from the competition as well. And our consumer, uh, like Christopher said, once they try it, they can trust our brand that we will not mix those things into our ingredients list so that you almost don't need to check the label. You can just see our logo, trust the product's good and enjoy it wherever you are. Uh, yeah so it's being organic it's being vegan and it's having that really personal relationship with the suppliers that ensures the integrity of the the food so it actually tastes really good as well yeah. and, and, and the, the the refined sugar free bit is, is a quite a key because quite often that's the you know perhaps what Christopher might say the teaching process of adding that flavor whereas if we use a natural process and a slow process the products, the produce itself should be naturally sweet, should have natural mommy in there. You don't need to have any additional um, sugar to make that happen. We're, we're very focused on the strength and the flavor of the core ingredient. And that's why, you know, we don't need to put added flavor to our products. And that's where, you know, that base core raw ingredient, the basis of all our products before they do any type of fermentation or minimal processing is that we choose the best from start. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we talk about competition, you know, being cheaper, well, often they use a very um, low grade core ingredient and add flavors. So people immediately get a, 
um, a good sort of taste, but in fact, the core ingredient is often not the best. Brilliant. Anything else you'd like to add, Maria? No, I'm, I'm you know, it's, it's very excited to have a, a good contact with yourself, Kate. And, you know, thanks for having our product listed on your website as well. And we hope we can work more together in the future. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time, both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for listening. You can check out the products we've been talking about by visiting Living, royalliving.eu. If you haven't got uh, an account already, sign up for an account. You get £5 off your first order. And uh, you can also hear more of my interviews over on katemagic.com. Please subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps. And yeah, thank you. See you next time.